Hello and welcome back to Art Poppin' Bottles, the podcast where whenever we want, we review an album by a non-male artist. My name is Justin Ganaway. Hi, my name is Kayla Mason Garvin. Welcome, Kayla. Hello. Welcome, Justin. Hello. <laughs> um, so we like to start out our podcast by telling um, each other and the world what pop star we're feeling like this week. Kayla, do you have a pop star in mind? I actually totally do. This is a first. Um, so uh, I lately have been feeling definitely stressed with the start of the teaching semester as well as like upcoming um, I have my, one of my first professional productions of a play I wrote, and I'm just feeling really stretched thin. Like there's not enough time to get everything done. I'm double booked through forever. And I just feel like it's really taking a toll on me and that, um, it's not just all of my work things, but also sort of like where we're at in the pandemic to me just feels uh, it, it's starting to look a little bit up, but it, it does feel almost worse than it has been just in terms of like what um, I'm just like, I don't really see an exit from this. So um, in terms of feeling emotionally riddled by work in the pandemic, I feel like Adele because recently Adele put out a video where um, it was like very emotionally raw. She was crying. She was like, I have to postpone. I believe the start of my uh, Vegas re- residency. Um, she was pretty heartbroken about it. And, um, you know, it was due to COVID and, and due to the rush timeline and people getting sick. And that's sort of how I feel. I've been subbing for teachers who I think are sick and uh, trying to manage my own teaching load as well as my outside gigs and my artistic career and I just feel like that plus the pandemic there's simply too much ready to cry but also ready to cry make it public and then be supported by my fans (laughs) I loved that video I was like you know what yes please be vulnerable with us please tell us what's going wrong and I felt very genuine and the way that like a notes app with a bunch of crying face emojis does not (laughs) It's like, I believed her and I felt for her in that moment. And I do hate that, like, entertainment and tours and shows are the first to go whenever, uh, you know, uh, a spike happens. And, like, unfortunately, that's our reality, but it sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Who do you feel like this week? Um, I, you know, I had like an extended sort of Christmas break. It was like a month and a week long, which was really lovely. And then right at the top of school, I ended up getting COVID. um, And so I had to take another week off. Um, And then, and now we're getting a large snowstorm here in Missouri. And so I'm taking in like another probably three days off of work. And so since I'm spending so much time away from work, I feel like Rihanna. Um, (laughs) um, anyways, welcome to the news this week. If you haven't seen it, then you must. Um, there are photos of Rihanna walking around in a half buttoned pink puffer jacket, showing off her new baby bump. She is pregnant. Kayla, what do you think? Okay. First of all, 
I think the images are stunning. Rihanna looks right. She looks incredible. She looks beautiful, pregnant, makeup right, hair right, outfit right. Except I did see a zoom on the bottom of the pants on, on Twitter. In the pants, I got questions. They're very long, draggy. You know, they're like wide-legged. And so they're just dragging around. And the, the pictures look to me like they were taken in New York when we were getting some snow this past week. And so... Um, concerned about the pants, rest of the look flawless. She looks very happy with ASAP Rocky and I am thrilled for her, which we could get an album, but like, I like that she's putting her personal life first. I think that's really admirable. Um, but, uh, oh, and I wanted to note, I think the puffer is 96 Chanel. It's a vintage Chanel puffer. Uh, It's so cute, bright pink. And she's wearing some belly chains as well. I mean, overall, the images are stunning. And frankly, when I first saw them, I was like, they looked so perfect. I was like, who the fuck photoshopped them? I mean, maybe somebody, you know, they're probably shopped a little bit. But, like, I was just like, this, it's stunning. It's stunning. Happy for her. Excited. Mourning the end of her music career because we're never getting that fucking album but like way to, way to put herself first I think that's great what do you think um no I agree with you she does look stunning and it's like well it's the most one of the most beautiful women in the world also experiencing pregnancy glow like can mm. you imagine just yeah. taking her in in person uh, um I also saw the pants. I li- I kind of liked it because it felt like a power move of like, I'm going to wear these luxury sort of split jeans that are dragging across the floor at, or across the New York ground. And I'm going to wear them never again never <laughs> in my life. Um, so that's kind of fun. I will say my biggest takeaway from it, and this is, I'm being genuine here. I kind of forgot that people still got pregnant. And when I saw Rihanna pregnant, I was like, oh, my God, people were still doing it. We're like, it it just felt like such a moment. And I loved it. And I think that she must have the cure for global warming if she's having a baby. So I'm excited for that, too. Oh, thank God. Yeah, no, I think everyone I know is fucking pregnant right now. That's not true. But I do feel like I've entered this phase in my life where... um, Right now, I know multiple couples that are, like, trying. Uh, someone who's due... My aunt uh, is due in early March, and uh, my friend Liz is also due around then. And so, to me, it feels like a baby fever moment. And it's it's wild. Um, you know, good for everyone. I can't imagine raising a baby in this, but, like... It seems like the the moms I know who are pandemic moms are actually kind of, you know, definitely stressed, but like, especially the moms who don't know any other motherhood, but pandemic motherhood seem to be doing as well as can be. So, you know, I hope everything goes smoothly. I'm so happy for her. Yeah, me too. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the baby. I though we probably won't be able to see it at all, but I am ex- like excited for yeah. this is going to be the one of the most famous children in the world. Thank God. So, oh. We well, need another famous baby. We need them. <laughs> um all right, and then next up, Demi Lovato. They have decided that they're not doing pop music anymore. They held a, a what seems to be a funeral for their pop music 
discography, career, which is really just like a photo of them with a bunch of people in the studio wearing all black, throwing up a double middle finger. But they are pivoting to pop, or not to pop, but just to punk, to punk rock music. No more pop. Pop is dead. Punk is forever. Pop is dead. Punk is the. I think it's specifically even like emo, like like that's what they're pivoting like, to. Like physical romance, all of that nonsense. Well, I shouldn't call it nonsense. 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 <laughs> no, I mean I think that this is where Demi's heart has always been. I think about um, their early releases, particularly with like. Um, that that first album that they had after Camp Rock that was very much so pop punk influence. And I think this is a great pivot for them. They have a great voice for it because oftentimes actually this music can be quite hard to sing. Um, I also was seeing when this news item came out, a bunch of folks were just like press that they like to be in the news so often about shit that doesn't matter, to which I say like, what do you want? Like, they're famous. So I, you know, we have to talk about something. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I... I think it's one of the one of the better genres for Demi's voice. You know, you know, I love a Demi Lovato and an R and B moment, but you know, we're never getting "Tell Me You Love Me Back," and I have got to that loss. Mm. Um, but I am excited. I do think I think on a previous episode we actually talked about how this the pop punk is sort of the direction that Demi should be going, and she's just going straight up punk. So that's cool. I I think it's gonna be good. I and yeah, I agree. Like, what are we like Demi's famous. Demi's a, a headline grabber. Like if, if she does something like this, of course she's going to be in the. Or of course they're going to be in the news. So I love it for them, and I I can't wait. But I do hope that the album is of quality. I agree. I hope they have good writers, and I also think I don't know. There's like a chaotic quality about their their like vibe that I think is really interesting with regards to punk but i like frankly i i think that they mm, like like they're they're very mainstream and and maybe that's their label maybe whatever but i i i am excited i don't know i just have opinions about like like punk and emo's sort of um you know, the ethos is about pushing but- buttons and being anarchic. And I would like to see that rather than like a glossy version of that. I know it feels difficult for someone who has made news in the past for calling out like sugar free yogurt um, to yes. them to reach the depths of that. And that's me being fishy, <laughs> but. <laughs> We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, and and finally, uh, tomorrow is the finale of And Just Like That. Kayla and I have been watching for nine straight weeks. Um, and we know this isn't pop music news, but we want to talk about it anyways. Um, I think we can relate it to pop music because of the sheer, like, number of, like, you know pop 
music stars who have been involved with the franchise over the years. We were talking about prior to this episode's beginning, we were talking about Fergie and Jay, Jennifer Hudson. And um, I, I think that there's connections to be made. I also just think it hits our demographics. So if you don't watch the show, um, whatever. And also, frankly, the show will probably be well over by the time you hear this. So this is us talking, not having seen the finale. Um, frankly, this has been one of the most thrilling parts of my last nine weeks, which have been, frankly, like kind of dark in that, like, uh, you know, the, the pandemic has sort of like come back in this way that I should have expected, but I fully did not. Um, and this has been a really bright spot for me, particularly because the episodes, as you might say, Justin, as you just said, have not been of quality as a rule. Um, and for me, like the sheer chaos, the sheer, um, like lighting on fire of characters that we have been setting up for now like two decades i i can't look away i'm thrilled about it it's not good but i am obsessed what do you think well i sort of yeah i love it i love watching it i look forward to it every week it's the you know the thing that changed my life and made me want to be a costume designer so i'm never going to not like eat up any sort of content that is given to me from these women. Um, I think that the show has no idea what the genre it's trying to achieve is. I think it has no idea tonally what it wants to do. And I think that there are really fun moments and really funny moments. Like I'm up and really, and moments of great acting too. Like I do think that, I, as much as you people found it weird, I thought like Big's death scene. Carrie was giving us great acting. I thought that the moment that Carrie got really mad at Charlotte was great acting. Um, I thought that Miranda's like Miranda's monologues when she's talking to Carrie about her life pivot is are really strong. Um, especially her like vocal squeaks when she's like, "I'm not happy." Like that, I thought that was lovely. Um, and then there's moments of like weird dramedy that that hit and I like part I liked when like it was really funny that they sort of wheeled Big's dead body across the hall as Miranda came to check on Carrie. I was like this is wild but it's kind of funny. Um and then I think that it but then I like I hate they, that they spend way too much time on these ancillary characters that, that they brought in to just sort of justify not having people of color in the first iteration. Um, and I, like, hate everything that Che Diaz says and does. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that for, like, a, a non-binary comic, they have a created such a humorless character. Like... It is, it's, it's just like one in the litany of, of many, I think, trans and non-binary characters in mainstream media that it's like, we can't have any fun. This must be an issue. You know, like, it's just so fucking wild to me. And also that Sada Ramirez is being wasted so hard. Like, they are 
like like one of my early inspirations like i remember seeing them in spam a lot um i i didn't see them in spam a lot but i saw the toning performance i had a little <laughs> cd but i remember that and just being so blown away um i also Sada Ramirez was somebody um, that I Googled for a really long time because they were the only person that I saw who was like a person of color who like wasn't a size zero who had a gig on network TV when they were on uh, Grey's Anatomy. And like, they're such an icon. And then for them to be, have this stupid fucking role, <laughs> oh, man, it's so rough, but also so juicy and like if Che wasn't there would I be interested I don't know because that's that's a huge part of why I watch is like what fucking bullshit are they gonna pull this week <laughs> well they're always gonna come pull up and go into a tight 10 they've always got a tight 10 at the drop of a hat and I yeah. I don't know why but they're always on stage um but yeah no I mean Che Diaz is a polarizing character that's made lots of headlines so like, I guess good for them for be remaining relevant for 10 weeks. Like, the only other shows doing that right now is, like, Euphoria. And I don't think Emily in Paris even has the same staying power that, like, and just like that has. Um, I will I want to give a quick shout-out to Molly Rogers because she stepped in as the role of costume designer for Patricia Field because Patricia was on um, Emily in Paris. And I think the best part about the show is that they've, created a world of costuming that is authentic to what the original show did and it still feels updated and new and is exciting to see each week. Like I love, I love the costumes. I think they've done a phenomenal job. What do you think of the costumes? I think they could be more gaggy. Like I just remember the original show and also, you know, the Instagram accounts that have spawned because of it, especially everything on SATC. Um, like the clothes are so gaggy and actually like shocking at times. And I feel like we're not getting that this go around. I think that that's in line with what the show has become, which is like, Oh, I read this really great critique and I'm not going to, you know, reference it correctly because I forget where I saw it, but that, um, this show used to be the zeitgeist and now it's talking about the zeitgeist and this show like is like used to be like presenting a really hopeful version of what it meant to be like an older single person and now it's presenting a really like bleak representation of what it's like to be in your 50s and so I think um that's just stuff I have my eye on but I I do think that the costumes could uh, go further, although it's it totally it fits, and I I do think there's been some beautiful and weird outfits this season. The overalls, the funeral outfit, you know, like we had moments. We had moments of fun, and I think that she hits carries every day well because she gives you like a bag on top of a bag and like sort of a, 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 like a little like it feels like NPR fifty year old version of what how Carrie was dressing in her thirties, but. I can see that we want more gags, but there's just not been an event for them to give us gags, really. Like there was a there was a funeral, I guess, and that was a little gaggy. That was the gaggiest moment of the season, I think. But even yeah. that is like I don't know. And then it was commented on, so I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I I think the only other like true gag was that red tutu um, with Biggs blazer over it was really really nice. Well, and there was also it's not at all gaggy, but the dragging out of the is it a Dior dress? The big the Paris dress. Oh, um, it's a Versace thousand layer dress. Mm, yeah, yeah, that was meaningful and yet didn't quite hit. Anyway. Huge fan. Can't wait to see what happens. No, I can't. in to hear what we think. We don't, they don't know if it's going to be rebooted. It was a big story on Diet Prada today. They were like, are oh, we going to if it's going to be renewed? Renewed, yeah. Well, isn't it pulling numbers? Like, I feel like, well, maybe it's just the queers. I feel like everyone's watching it. It's it's pulling enough numbers for them to be. I mean, it's it must be pulling like something on par with White Lotus, and it's being talked about as much as Euphoria. So I don't know why they wouldn't renew it. Other than well, that, because it's not good press. Yeah. <laughs> not, no one's like this show is good. <laughs> Everyone's like this. We gotta sit through it just to see what we can talk about by the proverbial water cooler, because no one's got a real cup water cooler at work anymore. Did you, I have one more question. Did you like the double vomit or no? That is my favorite moment of the fucking season. I'm so mad they retired that guy. That was my favorite thing. Oh no, he's back. No, he's retired now. I thought. No, because they, he was in the last episode and they're going to go on a date again in the finale. Not another one. Yeah. Why? I thought they said goodbye. Well, they said goodbye, but then at the end of the the episode nine, she texted him and said, "Want to try for strike three? And they're going to go on a date this for, in this final episode, I think. Why did she? Why did they? Oh, I'm so mad. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> no, thank God though, because that was the most interesting part of maybe the whole season. Yeah. Um, other than the wild ride we've been taken on with Miss Ms. Ms. Miranda. Oh, oh my God. The Hobbs. I just. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll, we'll move on and okay. we'll talk later. Okay. Um, okay. Well, this is a 2004 themed episode. Um, we're going way oh, back. Oh, that's why we talked about Sex in the City. Yes, yes. Definitively. Sex in the City famously ended in 2004. So moving right along um, into something that dropped. At the end of 2004, on December 7th, the one, I believe, and only album by Lindsay Lohan. Is it the only? I I don't know. We'll look it up. We'll look it up. Um, Entitled Speak. It was dropped on December 7th of 2004. Kayla, where were you? I was in my, oh my God. I was in my first semester of high school. I was at um, high school as a freshman. I was um, I was into this moment. However, I I didn't listen to this album at all when it came out. But I was into the sort of like pop punk moment that was happening. Um, producer Aaron Burnett has shared with us that Lindsay Lohan has a 2005 album titled "A Little More Personal." Mm. No, because that's the that's got the that's the one that's got that song about her dad. Yeah. Um, anyway, 
yeah, so I was into this musical and cultural moment, but I did not listen to this album. Um, and I also want to share in this moment where we're discussing our personal connections to this album, that when I was flying from the Bay Area to New York after the holidays, I was seated next to this person who was in a full, I believe to be real fur coat and who um, like was trying to make small talk with me at one point. They were like a young person um, and somebody walked down the aisle next to me. I didn't have my glasses on and I was like pretty zonked. I think I had a red eye. This was like in the middle of the night and this was somebody walked by us in the aisle. I couldn't see who they were. And the passenger next to me was like, do you know who that just was? And I was like, I don't like, I don't have my glasses on and everyone is wearing masks. And I didn't say that, but the passenger next to me was like, that's Lindsay Lowen. And I was like, what, how could you tell? Wasn't she wearing a mask? where are my glasses <laughs> right now? So I put on my glasses. I waited and waited and waited for this person to walk up the aisle. Also is Lindsay flying coach? Um, I didn't, I didn't see her, but I might have been on the same place as her. If we believe this person in a full, potentially real fur coat, that's my spiel. Where were you December, 2004? I, like I don't think I want to know. I feel like potentially Lindsay is flying coach. I don't know why, but she, I feel like she might be in this moment cash for and flying coach. Um, but, but how would that passenger recognize her? I don't know. I, I mean, who knows that person wasn't a fur, a full fur coat and, and young. So it, they can't have the greatest deductive reasoning skills, but <laughs> I choose to believe maybe it was her. Um, in 2004, I was in fourth grade. I was, um, I was definitely a, like a fan of Lindsay Lohan, though I was one of those annoying people who picked sides and I was very much a Hillary Duff stan. Um, but I did enjoy, um, specifically Lindsay's, uh, performance in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, which totally makes a lot of sense with this album speak. Um, you've got a kind of like alt girl, but a very like mainstream alt girl, um, who feels, uh, misunderstood and, um, yeah. And then she played the same character in Freaky Friday. So we've got, uh, but I remember, you know, Lindsay being charismatic, her movies being of quality. Um, and I did not listen. <laughs> I did not listen to this album, but I years later came back to it because rumors became something of a gay sort of classic. And did got Mick do it on, in the first episode of season 13? I don't know. I don't know if she like lip synced it with Denali or not. Um, or if that was a Britney song that they did. Either way, um, I did revisit Lindsay. And I will say that, like, I was the one who made Car uh, made Kayla listen to this album. And I was like, I really want to do Lindsay. And I had not, I didn't have, like, a real sort of um, scope of how good or bad the album was. But I was hoping it was chaotically bad and it was it would be good fodder for us. And it sort of is chaotically bad. So I, I'm excited to talk about it track by track. Um, I can't wait. 
Yes. So we're starting off with first, a very good place to start. Um, oh, and from executive producer Aaron, um, yes, got making Utica lip synced to rumors. I knew that was why it was on my brain. Interesting. Okay. Um, first is um, the first track. It was written by Cara Diaguardi, Cara Diaguardi, who notably um, wrote a lot of hits for for the pop girls in the early 2000s. Also, a one-season or two-season American Idol judge. Um, and she was, like, known for writing good hooks. Um, I think, comparatively to this album, First is kind of a banger. Like, it hits pretty well. Um, the politics are a bit questionable because it's just kind of about jealousy and Lindsay being like, I'm hotter. So could you make that girl go away, please? But overall, listenable. Yes, I agree on the whole. Although, frankly, when I put, when I put this album on and I, this song came on, I was like, oh, no, what are we getting into? Um, but what I, I, I do think the angle is weird. That's something in, from my notes. Um, and I have no other notes. It's a four out of ten. <laughs> um, well, I'm grading on a liberal arts scale, and I did it sort of on a curve as well. So I gave this an eight out of ten. <laughs> This is on a curve. It's a four out of 10 on a curve. What the heck? <laughs> oh my God. Think about how we rated fucking that Lord album. And I was thinking about a seven on the Lord album. Uh, just like, even if this is a curve, it's a four. No, I'm so in my curve, there's one track that is a, a 10 out of 10 on this album. And then all of those compare in relation to that one track. That's fucking wild. Okay, <laughs> let's take that into account. Are we ready to talk about the next one? Yes, we've got Nobody Till You. <laughs> okay, this, to me, I wrote that this is an extremely Hillary vocal. Like, we can hear all those 2004 vocal mannerisms. But in particular, it's it's wild to me because this was the height of Hillary and Lindsay's feud. And the fact that they sound so similar is, frankly, a little bit jarring. I also wrote... This showcases the full octave of Lindsay's range, four out of ten. <laughs> um, I agree with you. There's lots of sprinkles of Hillary throughout this album. Um, and this one I also picked up on because the vocal fry is placed at the end of each phrase. Like we are doing, it is cookie cutter vocal fry, which is just tonally, that doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, yeah, and this one, again, also written by Cara Diawardi, who wrote for Hilary Duff. So they were in a feud, and yet they used the exact same writer for most of the tracks on both of their albums. And yet there's something about Hilary's del delivery that can make these sort of vague breakup songs make sense. And Lindsay cannot contextualize a song for me at all. Um, this one, zero out of ten for me. Ooh. I mean, I do also think on the songwriting note, how did the same songwriter give Lindsay such worse material than she gave Hillary? And and maybe it's Lindsay's skills or lack thereof, um, but it also feels like this is less of maybe a natural fold of writing where, like, we are leaning into Lindsay's persona at the time, which was sort of like, 
bad girl, good girl, like, like alt, but still, you know, can hang. I don't know. Um, but the, the material for me on this album is not up to par with Hillary's album, even though there's the same writer crossover. I, you know, I really, I do think that some, okay. I think that what happened is, is that Kara Dioguardi would get, would just give Hillary stuff that was more bubblegum. And mm-hmm. I think that the bubblegum stuff just like Hillary was really good at giving you weird bubblegum and Lindsay wanted to be more serious. And she like, she's the serious actor of the two of them. And she just could not make a pop song feel fun in the way that Hillary could. I, and I, I hate to compare, but I just think that's what happened. <laughs> Yeah, I I also yeah, I, Lindsay's vo- voice. I I don't know about the two of their voices stacked against each other, but Lindsay's voice on its own here is really stretching to fit these not very difficult songs. <laughs> it's so true. And I thought she could get by in charisma, but honey, she can't. Um next up we have <laughs> Symptoms of You. Okay, this song (laughs) has the wildest, wildest figures of speech (laughs) I have ever heard in my life. Um, I'm trying to pull up some of them. The one I wrote down was about uh, there's no light in the moon and it's winter in June when I'm without you. Um, the song opens with there's a good kind of pain and insane kind of sane when I'm around you. There's a chill in the heat, feel the sky at my feet, blah, blah, blah. The chorus, I don't, I'm not ill. I don't need to take a pill to fix what you do. Blah, blah, blah. All I do is suffer from the symptoms of you. This is, um, I rated this song, um, a three out of 10, but a 12 out of 10 for the wild. Like it's so bad. It's kind of good. As far as the lyrics go, like it is sort of like fourth grader turning out similes and metaphors type of lyrics. And Mm -hmm. frankly, like the cumulative effect is fun. (laughs) I agree with you. I'm just going to read, I'm going to read my notes word for word. Um, This is garbage. But it is camp. The lip sync possibilities are endless. <laughs> <laughs> um, girl, she thought winter in June was everything. Uh, <laughs> the truth is, she sounds like she could use a light anti-anxiety man. Um, the worst part about this is, this album is that the writers just won't write a bridge. Like, they won't. They refuse. They refuse. They will just repeat the chorus, but nary a bridge. And I think also that's where Hillary really shined was a bridge. Mm. So, I don't know. I But it's I remained on yes. that bridge. I really do. I think it could have been a, a little, like, a diagnosis-themed bridge would have been fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, speak. <laughs> This is what I wrote down. Sorry. This is legitimately horrible. Bad song. Worst vocal. Two out of ten. It's it's so bad. And this is a song where I'm really like, we're, we're what, four songs in and the vocals. There's, it's just so, it's so bad. There's nothing else to be said. Do you, do you like this one? No. Um, I wrote the titular track, which... <laughs> 
um and then we have a little bit of spoken word which isn't bad but then they get into this weird sort of they put an effect over the entire song so you can't really hear what's going on and i think it's to sort of it's to mask the brightness in her voice and then it's also like she's i know she didn't sing any of it on key i don't think they got her on key I think that she showed up late for the recording session and I think they had two hours to turn out a song. So they just put a horrific sort of effect on the entire song. If I'm being honest. What's your rating? Three out of 10. Incredible. (laughs) Um, Over. Okay. This song, honestly, not bad. This is the song I remember off this album from 2004. Um, I think this is more like it. Like, this is the vibe. This is the moment, like, that she's trying for. Like, this sort of pop punk inflected, but, but like, coming out mainstream, you know? Uh, and I think uh, the chorus is genuinely boppy and memorable for me. This is a 7 out of 10. <laughs> wow i did i did not have i didn't have the same reaction you didn't like over tell me that it's over i will say it's the one it is the one that like i will sing the most like it's the most sort of stuck in my head after listening to it so i think in that regard it's probably more successful than i assessed it as but i characterized it as a low budget come clean um and gave it a three out of ten Whoa. Okay. Cool. Um, something that I never had. I'll start on this one because I my notes are unhinged. Um, hello, plain white tees. It's giving Hannah Montana. It's giving somebody that I used to know. Neither of those things existed at this time. What do you think 2004 was? I think it's the precursor (laughs) to all of those things. And Uh it's crazy. And I don't don't like it. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. This is what I wrote. Ballad, not good. Could be a lot worse. Five out of ten. (laughs) 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 As far as ballads go on this album, this could really have hit a very low low. I thought it was fine. It wasn't good. For sure not good. I I, I think I judged the ballads harsher, um, but I don't know why, because all of the pop punk up-tempos sound the same, so I really should have given the ballads more consideration. But for some reason, if a ballad came on, I was like, um, Anything but me. On a scale of good, bad, to fine, bad, to bad, bad, I gave it a fine, bad, four out of ten. I'm going to go with that as well. It's a fine, bad. Um, I also, there's there's an exceptional amount of E vowels in this one, which are the <laughs> to sing, and she does them pretty okay. Um, <laughs> Next up, we have Disconnected, which I have the least amount of notes on. I just said, oh, God, not a ballad. And then that's it. That's that's all I wrote. (laughs) This is all I have. It's a quote from the lyrics. (laughs) Quietly loud when I'm noisily silent. What the fuck? That's all I wrote. I didn't even rate it. I couldn't. I was too. I was just like, I can't. I mean, it's so, again, it's like, is it good, bad? I because of that line, it's camp. It is, it is camp. <laughs> Quietly loud when I'm noisily silent. Like what the fuck? But also, 
it's bad. I don't know. Maybe a one out of 10. It is pure camp in that it was not in like trying for camp when it, like when it was conceived, like we are getting pure D- Cara Gioguardi thinking that she's being profound. And she <laughs> is not. Um, so it's interesting, uh, but bad. All right. To know your name thoughts. I wrote an album highlight, but still kind of bad. Seven out of 10. <laughs> I like this song. It's a little baby bop, but it's not that great. It's not, I mean, it's just in comparison to the rest of this fucking dribble. It's fine. What do you think? <laughs> I had a similar reaction. I was like, oh God, finally something weird. Because you know me, I want something. I need anything weird on an album. Um, and then I pulled out a lyric that I think was maybe psychic, predicting the future. It's not, but it it, it could be. Um, can't the boys with the Zooms just give a girl a second? So uh, what the fuck does that mean? I think it's a lyric about Zoom fatigue. No, you know what? Uh, maybe Z- Zoomies. No, yeah. it's about it's about photographers. Like their Zooms. It's like she doesn't want to be followed by photographers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, you're so right. Actually. But I think that's kind of a profound, really stupid lyric. And I was like, you know what? Great. Um, and I also wrote something unhinged, which is honestly, I think this song was on the mood board for Black Heart by Carly Rae Jepsen. So. Oh, really? To me, this one reminds me of, like, it's Britney reminiscent. And it's also sort of like Paris Hilton reminiscent uh, in a good way. I mean, I'm stars are blind. And like, it. I don't know. It's that moment in pop history where we're like trying weird shit prudisorially and it's bad, but it kind of works. I don't know. I like it. Yeah, no, I love it when they go weird. And I think that there was that really particular moment where they were in the middle of pop punk and electronic inspired pop and they were just throwing weird, weird shit at the wall. And this like it, it works, but they don't know why it works. Mm -hmm. Um, very last moment in time, I believe is next. Um, and I just wrote that this was another Hillary knockoff eye roll emoji. Um, and I also wrote this one vocally is probably the most challenging on the album. And I just don't believe that Lindsay sang it. Yeah, this isn't the, I wrote that this isn't the worst uh, song on the album, but like the sentiment behind it is wild. It's definitely a Carpe Diem song of like uh, one memorable lyric, live like the, it's the last moon rising, you know, like live your, like you're about to be dying, etc. cetera, um, which is, it's odd uh, on this album. Um, and another odd line, I'm drunk, I'm, this is what she said. This is what she's saying. I'm drunk on what I'm seeing through these open eyes. I, this, this song is, it's bad. This it's bad. It's a three out of 10. It's bad. I'll give it a two out of 10. Um, it's a two. You're right. It's a two. <laughs> I don't know where the curve is anymore, but it's a two out of 10. Um, magnet. I wrote, this is okay, five out of ten. To me, it sounds like a Gaga song at points. Um, like, there's, there's uh, like, melodic things she's doing that are gaga as particularly early Gaga. And I think, I think it's fine. Five out of ten. What do you think? 
I agree. I think we get a, like, I, I wrote that the intro is nice. We're getting banger vibes from the intro. And then it does sort of decline from there. But there is a lyric, um, the way you read me, I swear you were a psychic. And like, pre-gay, that's not necessarily a profound lyric. But post-gay, kind of fun. Um, and then finally... We've got rumors. What do you think of rumors? I wrote, this is the best song on the album, but it's still bad. Eight out of 10. Is this your (laughs) 10 out of 10? (laughs) This is my 10 out of 10. I like this track objectively. I think that, um, I, again, I think it sits at that fascinating intersection of pop punk and electronic inspired music. And so I, I think it's nice. And I also, this song does predate Peace of Me by, by Britney Spears. It certainly doesn't reach the highs of Peace of Me, but it does have the same tone and the same thesis. And I think that there's something to be applauded there. And I think this is the only moment where we're getting a lot of genuine emotion from Lindsay. I think the, the, she was having a really rough time because she was trying to escape her emotions and her feelings through like partying and whatever. And like her biggest nuisance and annoyance was being followed by paparazzi and her life being documented in the tabloids. And so I think that she had a moment here to give a really genuine delivery and she did follow through. Yes. And I think this is a really great moment to talk about the infamous paparazzi photo of, um, Lindsay with uh, Paris Hilton, and who was the third person in that car? It was Brittany, no? Yes, yeah, it was um, that you know the 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 um you know the the oral history of that photo is that. Lindsay or that uh, Brittany and Paris were partying by themselves and Lindsay climbed into the car and forced herself into this paparazzi photo op and that uh, Paris and Brittany, you can even see in the picture are like kind of mad about it. And um, I definitely think that there it's, it's an interesting moment for, Lindsay in that her life definitely was fucked up and there was a lot of paparazzi following her and there was a lot of um, stuff going on outside of Lindsay's control. And there were also moments when Lindsay, and I think we can totally see why, because it, it, it gains attention and it gains sort of like notoriety, sometimes in a bad way, but like mostly in a good way that Lindsay would sort of like lean in. So um, there, yeah, there have been moments when Paris, I don't think Brittany has gone on record about the moment, but Paris has gone on record to say that it was awkward when Lindsay got in that car. I had no idea that that was the case, um, that she made her way in there. I had always in my mind been like, oh, they were all friends and it was like, it was great for all of their careers. But that does make a lot more sense because I do feel like in terms of trauma, Paris and Brittany had it much harder than Lindsay. And so they seem like they would actually vibe as people. Whereas Lindsay, I don't know. I don't know if she actually has the LOL same depth as the two of them. Um, But I was watching. No, it's true. Yeah. It's true. 
But also all of them went through a lot of really tough shit. So whatever they want to fucking do, get into a car with each other. Who cares? Sure. Um, I was watching Paris in Love today, I just want to say. Um, oh, my gosh. I was so moved by... I saw a moment on TikTok um, that was... And then we should probably move on because this surprise is a double album review. Um, <laughs> but I saw this moment, moment on TikTok that I was so moved by, which is early in the pandemic, Cameron and I spent time watching The Simple Life. And I think we made it through a couple of seasons. And, you know, famously, Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton fell out and had this huge fight um, because I think this sucks, but I think that Nicole Richie played Paris's sex tape at a party to make fun of her. And that was the schism in their friendship, which is such a fucking shitty thing to do. But they were also young and like making mistakes and all this stuff. And they have made up. And what, what was so moving to me was that after all that history with each other of being so close and then being like enemies for a long time, there was this clip that Paris posted on TikTok of Nicole at her wedding and they're like doing their old shit from when they were on Simple Life a long time ago of like they used to have this thing where they were like we're still in Bill and they had this like they would be like sa, 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 sa. like it was so <laughs> weird and so stupid but it was like so they were doing it at Paris's wedding and it was so moving that like they could overcome Nicole being a literal monster in their friendship. I'm sure Paris did shit too, but like, that's a really fucking horrible thing to do. And in that they were, you know, so close. No, I saw that moment too. And it was so cute. And I just, I love their friendship and I hope that they're like feeling, I hope that they're like coming back together in, in a meaningful way of just forgiveness and love. I know they probably won't be best friends, but it's cute. Yeah. Um, quickly, we should do a rating. We rate on a box wine system here at, um, Art Pop and Bottles and the lowest being a Franz, the middle being a black box and the highest being a Boda box. Frequently we've gone off the rails and done whatever we wanted. Um, so what is your metaphorical rating for this album? This is a glass of water with some sugar mixed in but it's not mixed in very well it's like grainy at the bottom like it won't get you drunk it won't be fun to drink it won't taste good <laughs> i have nothing good to say about this there are some there are some moments but like it's a glass of sugar water um i i think it is a franzia but only a <laughs> 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 only a Francia when you're sort of slapping the bag at a party where you can get yourself in the mindset of it tasting kind of good for a couple of seconds and then you're like oh fuck I'm chugging Francia um and then it's over um but we thought it would be great on this Y2K themed review to bring you another album from 2004 I also think it's pretty clear what our favorites are from the thing but do we want to name them <laughs> I am, uh, I like Rumors, Magnet, and First. I like Rumors, Love Me For Me. <laughs> nope, that's the wrong album. I like Rumors, sorry, I was just scrolling through all my shit. All these titles are the same. I like Rumors, I like Over, and I like To Know Your Name. Nice. 
Yeah. Ooh, diversity. Welcome to 2004, specifically July 20th, 2004, when bio- Autobiography yeah. was released by Ashley Simpson. Kayla, where were you um, in, in July? And what's your, what's your relationship with Ashley Simpson? Thank you for asking. Actually, I think July 20, 2004 was a really great time in my life. Um, at that time, it was the summer in between eighth grade and uh, high school. I was excited. I was in a play that I loved doing. Um, and I, oh, I had my first like middle school going into high school boyfriend at the time. And um he went to a bunch of summer camps and we were like writing letters. Um, and, uh, I had like a really big part in the summer show that I was doing. And, uh, it was like a great time in my life. I remember it very fondly. Like that was a great, great summer. What about you? What was the part? Can I know? Oh my gosh. It was in a musical called Gretel and Hansel, which is like Hansel and Gretel, but more Gretel focused in the bitch was Gretel. So. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. A star. Um, I, the, yeah, this would have been the summer between fourth grade and fifth grade or third grade. I don't know. Um, but I do know that I, I remember Ashley Simpson was a, like a formative person in my like sort of music upbringing. I remember the singles from this album coming out. I remember watching her on, was it TRL or some sort of MTV? You mean SNL? Do you mean the iconic SNL moment or something different? No, I, I remember the iconic SNL moment, but she would also uh, perform this on some sort of MTV show and yeah. did a job and was like lauded for it. And then the shit hit the fan with the iconic SNL performance. Do you want to give a little blurb on that performance though? We should oh, talk. Absolutely. And I also realized I neglected to share my personal history with Ashley Simpson, which is that um, like, I was not a huge stan. I was involved with other artists at the time. Like I was an Avril stan. I was a Michelle Branch stan. And they're sort of on either ends of, I think Ashley Simpson sort of falls in the middle of the two aesthetically. Um, So I remember the album coming out. I remember it being huge on the radio. And I remember uh, a lot of the cultural moments, including the SNL moment. Um, but the album was not something that I glommed onto contemporaneously. Um, and in term- terms of that SNL moment, so uh, Ashley was playing SNL. And how SNL works is that there's usually an afternoon uh, pre-tape that happens in case anything goes wrong and it's a dress rehearsal where they do final cuts of sketches and final runs of the music performance. Um, that happened. And then, and as far as I can tell, everything went according to plan. And then for the live show, um, they started playing the track. Uh, it was, it included Ashley's pre-recorded vocals Ashley did a literal jig, a jig. You should look it up because it's, it's amazing. He does a jig and then walks off stage. They cut the music. They go to commercial. It was a shocking moment because singers 
it's, it's, you know, it's very common practice to lip sync. It's not a shameful thing at all. Um, I do wonder why she did it because I do feel like she was building the reputation for herself that she could sing live. Um, but she chose not to for this performance fully backfired. Um, it was a really like shot heard around the world, wild, um, cultural moment. Yeah. What do you think? What do you remember? It's hard because this is sort of the era of, you know, we were still in this place of sort of lambasting artists for, for lip syncing or for doing, or for a female artist doing anything wrong. Um, like this is also the era of Janet Jackson's like infamous nip slip at the Super Bowl. Like, is it? Oh my God. Yeah. Similar period. And so it's like, I feel like, you know, um, female pop stars were under a, a, a microscope and if you had made one wrong move your career was sort of dead in the water which really sucks um, and I like I remember it happening and I remember being like feeling kind of sad that it happened but I probably was also you know I was in fourth grade so I think I forgot about it two days later um, but yeah I think it sucks and looking back on it I feel bad for her because yeah, she lip synced in a moment where she felt vulnerable and everybody does it. And I do, I think judging by the album, you can just hear that she can sing. So it doesn't, it doesn't, I'm, I don't feel betrayed by her for lip syncing. Do you? No, I do feel betrayed by the jig. I just <laughs> think like, I, I think that my personal stance on lip syncing is that it is a, great and admirable art form and if you're gonna do it fucking do it and I understand why she felt uncomfortable and had to do the jig and all that but yeah. I also think um and I also I I also think that all all the major artists of the time were lip syncing and continue to lip sync and you know I I I wish she would have owned up to it or been more comfortable with it. I know that it's hard. I know that it's hard, but you know, yeah. like, like what sticks for me is not the fact of the lip syncing and getting caught in it. It's the awkward, like no, 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 that happened after. And she was young, you know, it's so hard. Young. So young. To like to play that off, to have like the, a seasoned sort of performers mentality about messing up on stage. But Yes. Well, and I don't know if this is accurate, but my memory of that moment is that she's wearing kind of like a regular-ish length, maybe a little bit cropped tee, and then like the lowest riding culottes or like gauchos, like really wide-legged cropped pants, which is just like 2004 to a T. Like, oh my God. <laughs> but uh, I love culottes, but only in the sort of surrealist um, Elsa Schiaparelli kind of way. But um, that's a 1930s reference. Um, let's start out on this album and let's start with Autobiography. What do you think of Autobiography, the track? This song surprised me in how sort of like forthright it was. Like, I forgot that you know, one of the big hits off this album, which we're going to talk about was Lala and that is very like sexual. And I forgot that that was the vibe here. And this song is also very sort of like, um, just like very frank about like flirting and like being sexy and all this stuff. And, um, 
I think it's a great opening number. Um, and uh, there was a quote that I wanted to pull out from it. Um, and we'll see if I can find it in time. But overall, like this is um, this is a seven out of 10 for me. Like it's truly not bad and even kind of good. I agree with you. Um, I I think the delivery here is what surprised me the most. I think she's got a lot of vocal texture and, 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 and a lot of variance in how she approaches this vocal. You get some growls, you get a little bit of like a raspy take, and then you get a li- like some attempts at some belts as well. So like there is dimension. Um, I think, yeah, the, the lyric that I pulled out that is maybe the most specific to her is the stains on my t-shirt, I'm the biggest flirt. Oh my God, that is my autobiography. I love <laughs> that line. I think it's so good. Yeah, I think it's good. And I wrote, um, yeah, no, I, yeah, that was the couplet that was for me strong. And so I think we're starting out in a place of, um, of legitimate pop punk because there's, a, it at least feels authentic to her. Whereas of course, uh, Lindsay, we never really understood why Lindsay felt misunderstood, but at least here we're getting some specifics from Ashley. Um, this song was written by John Shanks, Ashley Simpson, and Kara Diaguardi. Yes. And the interesting thing about this album is that Kara Diaguardi is on it, but only about three or four times. But John Shanks is on it a lot without Kara Diaguardi, but with Ashley. Um, and I think the stronger songs are the ones that don't feature Kara Diaguardi. <laughs> um, but next up, we have Pieces of Me. Um, Pieces. Pieces. <laughs> her delivery of that line is iconic what do you think um no i agree i well i think that this is the easiest song to sing along to and on the album i think it's the one that gets stuck in your head and i you know i you know it's again about feeling messy and insecure but a dude makes her feel better about it because he loves all of those parts of her and um yeah i think that that story is a little bit ill-fated um and i and it seems very 1819, but, um, a good song. Yeah. I think too, here we hear a lot of the hallmarks that Lindsay was uh, of the genre that Lindsay was going for, but biffing in her album, the sustained notes without vibrato and the, Oh, it seems like I have. And also, um, like an actual bridge that we love. Um, I, I just, how do you know? Like, it's good. It's good. Uh, I rated this, I can't even read it. Uh, uh, oh my God. I, I rated this and this is full disclosure. This is after I had been listening to Lindsay for a couple of days. So we're again, sort of grading on a curve, but what I rated this initially was, um, 17,489,367 out of 10, but in real reality, it's like an eight out of 10. It was just because I listened to too much Lindsay. And I was like, this is what we were trying to do. <laughs> on the Lindsay scale, it is certainly a 15 out of 10 for me. On an album scale, I think it's a 9 out of 10. Oh, all right. Um, now we have Shadow, which is a song that's sort of probably blatantly about living in the shadow of, I think, her sister Jessica Simpson. Um, and... I liked it. I thought, um, 
I thought that her placement was nice and I felt like she was giving a very Alanis Morissette vocal in terms of how she was giving us vowels. Um, And I think that including this song in the album gives her the depth that we want from an album like this because it does seem like she is the punky little sister of the cookie cutter pop star slash actress. So I liked it. I forgot in my personal history to mention that, yeah, my relationship with Ashley, I think, is very much defined by my relationship with Jessica, who's been a touchstone for me throughout my life. And, And frankly... It's about time we covered Jessica fucking Simpson. I know, I agree. <laughs> but, um, you know, Jessica was, you know, big hair, big vocals, and, like, a lot of speculation about her, like, very small, but perceived to be big body. And Ashley was, like, the alt little sister who uh, allegedly needed and then got a nose job, like, like all of the baggage that comes with being the younger dyed dark hair (laughs) little Mm -hmm. sister. And so honestly, I always stand Jessica because I felt like Ashley was, um, like just sort of, um, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't buy it all but this song i think like it it, i think this song is good i think this is like a 7.5 out of 10 um like i really buy into the lyrics i think it's really it seems honest it like mentions like over and over (laughs) like father mother father mother sister something something you know um it's catholic (laughs) yeah the 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 family struggles feel real here um and I think this is also one of the stronger vocals on the album. So, yeah, it's a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, I'll give it an 8 out of 10 just Ooh. to be wild. Um, but, yes, I, 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 think I, took, I think I took Ashley's side in the Sister Wars um, of, of the two. Um, but I feel like among Little Sisters, the other famous contemporary of Ashley Simpson would be Jamie Lynn Spears. Um, and we know that Ashley Simpson is the better little sister, given the recent book that came out. Oh, truly. Um, oh, we didn't talk about that in current events. That's a huge thing. But anyway, let's let's roll on. Jamie Lynn does not deserve our breath. I hate Jamie Lynn. Um, oh, my God. Okay, we have Lala. I love this song. <laughs> I wrote verbatim. This is as good as any of Madonna's best tracks. (laughs) God, I felt like such a badass listening to this. I love that she equates, like, it's actually punk to, in a a mainstream song, equate yourself to a French maid and then an alley cat. Um, I think that's fantastic. And, um, yeah, I, I love it. This is actual punk shit for a teen queen. I don't know about all that but i do think it's iconic <laughs> i think it's an eight out of ten i don't think it's actual punk shit but i do think it is lots of fun eight out of ten eleven out of ten. Oh shit oh my god that 
that's no, that can't be okay. That's just it's not it's not a ten out of ten or above for me. Absolutely no. I loved this song. I remember loving this song. I came on and I was like, "Fuck, this is this hits a certain part of my love of music." Um, and it really, I think this is a formative song in my uh, development. So I'm. I'll it's love- stupid though, in yeah. a good way, but it's very. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't, I won't fight you. I think it's, I think it's one of the standouts from this album. Shall we roll through? Yes. Um, uh, let's go with love makes the world go round. Um, I didn't like this song. It felt like a mid tempo, um, or we know I wrote her delivery here is sincere and good. The mid tempo almost bowed with the drums doesn't hit for me, but it's not bad. Five out of 10. I rated this a four out of 10 and I simply wrote, I'm bored. (laughs) We're getting into a point in this album where we get the same song over and over and over again, which, oh, well, um, next up is better off. I wrote, this is fine. I pulled out a couple of lyrics uh, I'm better off every day when I'm standing in the pouring rain. Like, essentially, like, I'm better off without you. There's a lot of lyrics about how she's misunderstood, etc. It's a 5 out of 10 for me. It's fine. Um, I I want to I wanna agree with that. So I uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up, though, LOL, is that there's one lyric that I deeply related to, um, which is, I'm always, always, always late. Um, probably a standout lyric for me. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the misunderstood trope theme word comes up quite a bit in this album. And I just want to know what these, like, 2004 bush era pop girls were misunderstood about was it just because there was like the like paparazzi culture was becoming a larger and larger thing and they felt that they were being characterized poorly in the press because of it like is that why they felt misunderstood what do you think i i feel like every adolescent feels misunderstood i think that that's part of what made this in the sort of pop punk movement of the early 2000s so popular, Mm. which is that everyone feels misaligned. Everyone feels like no adults or even their peers get them. Um, And I think that that's a strong suit of this genre is that they're leaning into this. Um, Mm. But I couldn't tell you, I mean, what I... I thought at the time, as far as why Ashley Simpson felt misunderstood is because she was a brunette who didn't have a high belt and had a larger nose than her sister. Like that's what I understood to be her trauma at that time. Um, and I am sure that that is not the case, but that's, that's what I was getting at the time. Yeah. And that was sort of the PR like a line that was being thrown to us about her. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And yes, I agree that that this is sort of a hallmark of the genre. Um, now we've got, uh, love me for me. I know this is one of your favorite tracks. So tell me why. Um, it has a great opening. What I wrote down was, I love this song actually, which is shade, but also it's, 
fine. Um, I think it's, I think it's a nice message. I think it's a strong lyric. I think it's a strong musical composition and arrangement. It is certainly not the best song titled Love Me For Me, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it is in the course of this album, one of the more standouts. Um, The narrative of the song uh, is like the idea that like, even though I'm imperfect, like you like appreciate me essentially, like that uh, even though I I like this lyric, here I am as perfect as I'm ever going to be. Like this idea that with flaws, I'm still worth it. And I like that. Um, And I also like the vocal and the song and the arrangement. Yeah, I agree. I think that the message is sincere and and good. Um, But the title specifically brings me back to the moment where RuPaul is like, Jiggly, what's your boat about? And Jiggly is like, you know, very love you for you, Saint-Tropez. And that's the only thing I could think about while listening to this song. Every time I think about the title of the song, I think about Rena's track, Love Me For Me, which I think is sort of infinitely superior. But in the course of that album, maybe also a 7 out of 10. <laughs> Although here, a 7 out of 10 is pretty high, and there, a 7 out of 10 is low. Well, <laughs> um, I, would put, I would give this one a 6.5 out of 10. Um, next, we have Surrender, which starts in a fun place for me but then gets to like the chorus is just full of platitudes there's nothing there's nothing unique about the song itself and then i wrote that um Cara Guardi specializes in vague breakup songs and i you know didn't love it what are your thoughts yeah we got a sweet little guitar solo there's some Joan Jett vibes going on in the vocals it's fine 6 out of 10 yeah um and then we've got unreachable a uh, memorable line. I may be sweet, but I'm still on the vine. <laughs> I don't think I need to explain. It's a six point five out of ten. I, I yeah, I am trying to remember it because I wrote that we were starting in an Amy Winehouse place. I don't think that that's real. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't think, I don't believe myself there. Um, But I did write that this is a better version of the song that I just listened to in terms of Surrender and and Unreachable being a similar breakup song. And and then I wrote that her placement was nice there and that she can, she sings this one well. Um, And then we have. Yeah, it's more of a ballad. And I wrote that the ending is hilarious. Oh. Like at the end, she's like, I'm reachable. And. (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> true and then there's one there's one song where she gives an inexplicable like ah and then mm-hmm. goes right back in i don't remember yeah. what song it is but it's wild um and then we have a song that shares a title with the taylor swift phoebe bridgers uh track called nothing new what do you think i think that song is better you know they're about very different things I wrote in my notes, this is this is still better than anything on Lindsay's album, but it, it does feel sort of one note at this point. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Um, I like the chorus. Like, the chorus lyrics are, hey, what's my damage today? And, like, I think it's fun. I think it's sort of, like, 
Heathers-esque, you know, Heathers referential. And um, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's I don't I struggle with this track and a lot of the like the two previous tracks to find something that makes it individual and different from the other three. It just feels cohesive to a place of bad cohesive. Um, and, you know, there's nothing great. I would say five out of ten. Um, and then we have giving it all away, which I think this song is good with within the scope of the album. I think it articulates how she feels better than most of the tracks. Um, I think it's a nice song to sing to yourself that other like young women could have related to at the time. Young people could have related to at the time. Um, and it has more specifics, which I'm always looking for in pop music is some specifics. Yeah. I think this one, I wrote that it's okay. It's one of the catchier songs on the album. Um, I gave it, I think it's probably like a seven out of 10 for the album. Again, we're grading on a curve. It's not a a Lord seven, but it's an Ashley Simpson seven. Certainly not a Lord Seven. If it if this were on a Lord album, it would be a one. But here, (laughs) 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 it it is a seven. I would agree. Um, (laughs) And then we have Undiscovered, which all I wrote was a bit of a fade out. I wrote IDK four out of ten. (laughs) there is the point when we are reviewing these albums and we're writing notes that i feel like the two of us will give up on an album if it's not giving and i gave up at that track i was like you're not giving me enough to even say anything about i mean i don't think that's the case on a truly good album and maybe this is a nice segue into album rating but i don't i think this is not a great album. I think it is iconic, but mostly for the singles. Like I do think everything else is pretty much filler with a couple of exceptions. I don't think this is a great album at all. And that makes it really hard to get invested by the end. And I think, you know, albums that we really care about, we don't have that problem. Um, But this was, it's not bad. It's not bad. (laughs) Um, what's your rating of the album? Okay, for me, hmm. oh man, for me, this is like a a house whiskey pickleback. Like it's like honestly, here's the thing though, I love picklebacks. This is not coming from a pickleback hater. It's just like it's shitty whiskey. The pickleback makes it taste better. We're we're grungy. We're throwing it back. We're thriving. But is it a great experience? No. Are there highs and lows? Yes. Is it fun? Yeah. Uh do I regret it? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I would say that this is like a sweet winery wine, like a sweet Midwestern, like (laughs) weird wine. It's like, it's strawberry wine, right? Like there are moments that the notes hit you and you're like, this is kind of good. But then ultimately it's like bad because it doesn't have depth and it's going to give you a bad hangover. Ooh, yes. There are moments of, of, fruity brilliance 
Um, and that is Lala, um, which is a great segue. My favorite track is Lala, and that's it. I think Pieces of Me for me beats out Lala just because Lala is hard to sing. (laughs) Um, And a surprise for me, I think Love Me for Me would round out that trio. (laughs) I like having Love Me for Me in there. What a a shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that was a nice visit to Mediocre Pop from 2004. Thank you for joining us. And now I believe we've got a game. Is there a game? It is that time. It's that time. Hello, I'm Cameron. I am here to host our game, which I I have dubbed Mutuals. And it is a game in which you... It's it's a it's a guessing game. So I'm gonna tell you a fact, and you're gonna be have three options for all of them, for all of the questions. And your three options are the three most seminal figures of 2004. One of them being Ashley Simpson, one of them being Lindsay Lohan, and one of them being the founder of Facebook, which launched that year, Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, so I thought we were gonna bleep his name. Push, but I make- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we we can we can do it in post. <laughs> no, we can't. Um, okay. He's a founder of Facebook, Tom. The founder. <laughs> That's a the founder of Facebook, people. Ashley Simpson. <laughs> All right, so. So, um, actually, we don't really talk about how we're doing this game, but um, I think we will do it. Turn by turn with stealing? Great. That's how we're going to do it. Um, and we will do it based on who has had COVID the most. And that's who goes first. That's what I've decided in this moment. It's me. I've had COVID the most, but I'd like to set the record straight and say that I had both of my vaccines and was boosted, and I have had COVID one time. There's no escaping it, folks. It will get all of us. (laughs) Anyway, so are you ready to play Mutuals? Yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, cool. Your first... um, your, Your first question is this... Okay, this option is not verified on Twitter. Um, it must be Ashley Simpson. That is incorrect. Kayla, would you like to steal for half point? Uh, yes, I would. And the options at this point are Lindsay and Mark. That's correct. Fuck. Mark. That is correct. Mark is not verified on Twitter. Wow. All right, Kayla, are you ready for your next one? Absolutely. Okay. This option is a vegetarian. Ashley Simpson. Ashley Simpson is not correct. Wow. I Justin, swear I read a Seventeen magazine article where she said she was a vegetarian at some point. But maybe no more. Um, okay, it's between Mark and Lindsay. Mark is a boy. So, Lindsay. 
That is not at correct. Gender at work. Gender at work. Gender stereo. Sorry. <laughs> I just felt like Mark was a Republican and bear, like loved me, but I guess oh, not. Oh no. Mark is like a weird So Even I Mark so I did see a news item actually that he had a phase in which he would only eat animals that he killed himself. And that's Is that how he got that booty? <laughs> Well, and then you know in the, the article, I was talking about someone who came. Somebody came over to his house and ate goat, which means he's like slaughtering goats and eating them. Oh man, that's man. And he lives in like <laughs> the middle of fucking Palo Alto. Whatever, fuck him. Rich people. It must be zoned for goats. <laughs> All right, Justin. Your question is: Which of these options? Speaks both Latin and Mandarin. Oh my god. Um, I thought you were gonna read the options to me, but obviously they're already set. Okay. Um, so Mark might be the obvious choice because he's done business in those places. Where they I speak thought, Latin? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> in Roma. Roma. That's, that's Italian. I speak Latin. That's not, but I don't think that's what Latin is. Yeah, that's more. Yeah, that's kind of Latin-y. Catholic over I can, here. I can recite some prayers in fucking Latin. Well, I I, I can it, count in Latin. I, Ashley certainly doesn't have the patience to learn both languages, and Lindsay has been spending a lot of time in Dubai, so I think it has to be Mark. That is correct. It is Mark. There's also, remember that uh, the, like horrifying video of Lindsay trying to like kidnap children and speaking in like made-up Arabic? <laughs> There's like what? a very disturbing video from a couple years ago where Lindsay is trying to take children away from their mother. It, it, like, it, there's some sort of class thing going on, and that the mother and her kids are like not well off. And Lindsay's like, quote unquote, trying to help and is speaking in Arabic that is, uh, according to the internet, gibberish and Arabic speakers, gibberish. And is just like speaking gibberish at these people and trying to take take the kids away. It's it's really weird. That's crazy. Sounds, sounds pretty upsetting. Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't well, a great moment. I'm glad I didn't use that as one of my questions because you would have known. <laughs> I found it weird that I didn't find that when I was googling, though. You know. Yeah. I feel like that should be. I don't know. That should be information that's readily available team when I Google her name. I'm sure. Hmm. Any whom. Okay, Kayla, are you ready for your question? Very ready. Okay. Of the three options, which appeared as the character Cecilia on the show Seventh Heaven for 40 episodes? Ashley Simpson. That is correct. It was Ashley Simpson. I watched her. She was correct. good. She's multi-talented. <laughs> she can sing. She can 
act and she can definitely dance. <laughs> she can do a jig. <laughs> she can jig. <laughs> All right. Justin, your question. This option and Raven Simone were actually roommates for a while. Which which one? That's tough. Lindsay. Lindsay is correct. You get the point. Well done. All right. On a roll. Everybody's Two doing... lesbians shacking up together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Lindsay has gone on record to say about her relationship with Charlotte Ronson that she was high and she's not bi. Yeah, no, I saw that interview, which I honestly think, like, why? It, it, it is homophobic to go ahead and clarify. Like, just let it be in your past. Well, and also, that was such a big thing. Like, I'm, I, ugh, man. No, what, but it is in line with other celebrities like Jesse J, who come out as bi and then rescind later and are like, just kidding, I'm scared. And, like, I just think Lindsay's maybe scared. And I, yeah, she's scared. Yeah, there was a moment of a lot of bi masquerading and... But I don't know that Lindsay was a part of that. I feel like she loved... I thought it was... It's, oh, it is Charlotte Ronson. Yeah. Sad. 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 It's sad. Sorry, who are we on? I've lost track. Me. We're on Kayla. Oh. All right. You just Alrighty. answer, right? You just answered... Um... Uh, yeah, you're right. Lesbian shacking up. Yeah, it's you. <laughs> okay. So, in 2008, this option launched a clothing line whose name was 6126, which is named to represent uh, Marilyn Monroe's birthday, June 1st, 1926. Lindsay. That is correct. She's a huge Marilyn stan. Yeah. Yeah. So is Paris, coincidentally. She has a whole moment about it in uh, Paris and love. Yeah. I feel very protective of our Maryland stands out there. I get it, but it's also like, yeah. like I, I'm watching out for you. <laughs> like, are you okay? Yeah, are you okay? <laughs> no, Amer- you can you, you know a Maryland stand by, you know, th- that they, I don't know. This is, yeah. It's bad. Okay. I don't we know. <laughs> Keep going. I I don't I don't have anything valuable to say about this. Okay. <laughs> All right. This person's uh, or one of this person's favorite singers is Alanis Morissette, and it was the, the first album. Jagged Little Pill was the first album that they purchased. God. The thing about it is, it's funny if the answer is Mark, but I don't know if it is. <laughs> um, I think, judging by the albums, it should be Ashley Simpson. So I'm going to go with Ashley Simpson. It is Ashley Simpson. <sighs> Love. Wow, y'all are just on fire today. You're doing really good. <laughs> We know right. 2004 pop culture. You know about 2004 pop culture. You were there. You experienced it firsthand. Some of us more than others. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Kayla, you will probably know if it's Ashley Simpson, Lindsay Lohan, or Mark Zuckerberg, who is colorblind. Care to comment? Mark. Yeah. Yeah, it is. God damn it. It's always a white man. It's just more prevalent in men, you know? True. And that's true. Oh, I didn't know that. It's true. That's true. <laughs> now you know. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> All right. Justin, in June 2006, this person was considered but did turn down a four million deal to pose nude for Playboy. Okay, well, it's certainly not Mark because of the politics of that time. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so it has to be Ashley or Lindsay, and Lindsay was a more of a PR darling at that point and was going through the spinning out phase. So I'm going to go with Lindsay. Lindsay is not correct. Ah! <laughs> Kayla, would you care to steal? Do you have Do you have a guess even? Four million, really, for her? Okay, sorry. <laughs> that reveals my bias, but it's got to be Ashley. Ashley is correct. Really, four million bucks. It's a lot of money. In two thousand four, it's even more money. I would have done it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I would have. Yeah, sure. Four million dollars. I don't know. I feel like it feels better now that Hugh Hefner's dead. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, if right. I had to sign for four million, but then I had to deal with Hugh Hefner, it's a very different question. <laughs> And if I had to sign for four million, then he's out of the picture. So sure, yeah, no, it's a very, it's a different vibe. Not that I've ever read a Playboy. It's I don't know, I don't really know what their vibe is at this point. Cardi, they, they shuddered. No, 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 no. Cardi B is the art director for Playboy. Right? Yeah. She's not. She is. Mm-hmm. She's maybe in name. She's not the art director, though. I mean, she, yeah, she. She's on there as the, yeah, the art director. Now they've got like, they've got Gigi Good did a spread for Playboy, which I think is kind of fun. Um, I think, yeah, the notably like one of the, one of the TikTokers who got an E show also did it, but I don't know his name. Um, and that's all I know. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, the next question for Kayla now, since you just stole, is this person released a song in 2020 containing the lyric, Now these Sundays got me feeling like Mondays. Lindsay. That's correct. Wow. Have you listened to it? I think so. I don't, I haven't yet. It's on my list. I want to. After this, as soon as we're like done. 18 years ago, y'all. <laughs> it's a full 18 years ago. <laughs> All right, Justin. So, this person is the youngest person to ever be admitted into the School of American Ballet because her dad lied about her age in the application. 
Mark, so I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Ashley. I think that's correct. Man, he sucks. Joe Simpson sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Garb. Garb. But he does have like post ballet vibes in terms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a he's like a Baptist minister. Not Ooh. anymore. No, he he what he is an ex Baptist minister. Yeah. So is Mark Zuckerberg um. coincidentally. <laughs> and they're both gay. <laughs> They kiss. <laughs> they do kiss sometimes. In 2004, though, not now. Yeah, when Marcus Zuckerberg was like 18. <laughs> <laughs> I hate <Okay>. this. Come on. <laughs> okay, anyway, um, this person has gone on record as saying that Picasso is one of their inspirations. Who's the question to? You. <laughs> it's Lindsay. It has to be. That is not correct. Oh. oh. I'm so sorry, Justin. Uh, well, okay. I mean, she had ballet training, so it could be. She theoretically may have the depth for Picasso, but I feel like it's something ironic that Mark Zuckerberg must have said. So I'm going to go with Mark. It is Mark. Well, it's probably also genuine. Like, Picasso was a fucking asshole, and so is Mark Zuckerberg. So maybe he genuinely likes it. Yeah, no, imagine, like, walking around and being like, yeah. My favorite. I'm really into Picasso. I love Picasso. I'm like, (laughs) I'm a Picasso head. What are you going to (laughs) do? Although, you know, he was trying some shit, but he also is an asshole. (laughs) Yeah, I don't trust anybody who says they like Picasso. Uh-uh. Yeah, fuck that. Anyway, <laughs> Justin, you ready for the final question of this very exciting game? Yes. Okay. Of the three options, which is allergic to blueberries? Okay, well, I how am I supposed to use context clues for that? Um... I don't know. <laughs> just, have, just be having known more than you do. Okay. <laughs> So Facebook, the logo is blue. So I don't think it's Mark because, you know, blue would be triggering. Um, Ashley seems like she has allergies because ballet girls typically have allergies. And Lindsay, uh, she also might be allergic to blueberries. Um, God, that's tough. Lindsay Lohan. That is correct. Congratulations. Yay. <laughs> on getting the last question of the game right. And Aaron, do we have... I wasn't keeping score. Aaron, do we have a score? Wait, didn't Justin also start? Yeah, but I think you won. Oh, did oh did Justin start? Oh, yes, Justin did start. Oh, do I have a bonus? Aaron, did, did Kayla win? Or did they not? No. Um, Justin won by a half a point. Wait, then this isn't fair because Justin had an extra turn. Okay, okay, you're right, you you're right. That's true. That's me? good. That's a fair point. Okay. 
One moment. I'm going to lose. You... It's okay. Justin, congratulations. But no, do you have I... a question so that Justin isn't winning by cheating? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. I think that should be a question. I certainly don't want to claim a win I have not earned. No. Okay, but feel okay. free to clean, claim the win once you've earned it. Like, <laughs> blessings. Okay. Kayla, are you yeah, ready for the I final question of the game? Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, shit. It all comes down to this. Yeah. Okay, this is the question. I'm ready. Has been reportedly a straight A student who was good at math and science during early school years. Lindsay Lohan. That is correct. You have now won by a half a point. That doesn't seem fair. Do we have a, like a head-to-head like last moment, or was that it? I want. You want to have okay. Do you want okay? Okay. Do you want to have a? Do you want okay? All right. Here we go. You ready? I think Kayla won because you got the same amount of questions and you answered correctly. Hey, you want to go head-to-head? We can go head-to-head. Wait, I mean, we might as well. Let's go head to head. Here's our heads together. Okay, okay. I guess do you want to do a buzzin? You want to do a buzzin? Yeah, I think that you all should know that my seating situation right now is that I'm sitting on a moving crate from my storage company and it is rapidly falling apart under my ass. So that's just as as you hear the sounds of boxes breaking down, that's actually what's happening. Um so it's not farts. It might be first. Like, it might be a mix. But, it might be a uh, little anyway. bit of both. Um, I'm ready, but then I'm going to have to fix this box. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm, like, holding myself up by my arms. Like, I'm <laughs> just, like, using my strength. I'm ready. What All are right. we with? We say Lohan. Lohan is the buzz-in. Right? Sure. Lohan is the buzz-in. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Which of the three options, Mark, Lindsay, or Ashley, had a small role as Monique in the Rob Schneider movie, The Hot Chick? Go. Lohan. Yes, Justin. Lindsay Lohan. That is not correct. Lohan. Go ahead. Ashley Simpson. Ashley Simpson by a landslide. Kayla takes the game. Was almost ushered into obscurity as a loser under unfair circumstances. Now takes the the whole cake and eats it in front of everyone. 2004. Thank you all so much for listening to our Poppin' Bottles. Thanks to Thailand. Um, Thank you to Canada. Thanks for everyone, to everyone who's listening around the world. Um, I want to thank our executive producers, Aaron, Cameron, and Jeremy for their contributions. You guys always make the game so much fun. Um, Thank you, Kayla, for being a wonderful co-host. And good night. Thank you, Justin. Good night. (laughs) 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 (laugh